Social selling. Sales mem or sales gem? <laughs> Sorry, that was awful. But stay tuned, folks. This week's podcast, I caught up with the Chief Revenue Officer of HubSpot, Mark Robert, one of the leaders in social selling and inbound marketing. And he'll tell us how you can use social selling to help your startup thrive. Hey everyone, Annie's here from Mindful Sales Training. Hope you're having a great week. You're out there crushing it. Good, good. If you're a startup, social selling is a game changer for you. It can level the playing field with bigger established competitors. I caught up with Mark Roberge, the Chief Revenue Officer of HubSpot, one of the world's leaders in inbound marketing and social selling, to tell us all about social selling, how you can use it to succeed and more. So let's head on over to the interview now. Hey, Mark, Anise here from Mindful Sales Training. How are you? Hey, Anise, great. How are you? Very good, very good. Social selling, Mark. It's obviously, this is a big rage and you, you're, you're experts in it. Can you tell why is it important for new companies, new businesses, and how will it help them? How will it help them grow? Sure. Yeah, I think social selling is one of those interesting memes. I think it has, it has a lot of hype around it. Um, it has a lot of overhype to it but it also has a lot of potential when it's understood. And you know what I mean by that is I think when people hear social selling, they think that they can do away with making phone calls and some of the traditional aspects of sales and just start signing up to a Twitter and a Facebook account and reaching out to prospects that way and close business. And that, that, that rarely um, you know, happens that way. You know, there, there aren't a lot of decision makers per se that are super active in social media mm. uh, in a lot of industries, nor do they really want to be approached uh, through their Twitter and Facebook accounts by salespeople. Right? Mm. But the opportunity that social selling um, has for salespeople is this is an opportunity for salespeople to leverage context much more effectively to engage with their prospects, and it's a, also an opportunity for salespeople to build up their own personal brand and trust amongst their prospects. Mm. So let me just comment on, on those two. Um, let's take the contest, context example first. Um, you know, it's really, really important to do research on the companies and individuals that you'll be calling on as a salesperson. And the more that you can understand their specific interests and customize your sales process and messaging to be aligned with that interest, the more effective that you're going to be. And so, you know, this whole rise of sharing data and social media and blogs presents a, a exponentially more, uh, you know, higher amount of data for salespeople to leverage to understand the interests of their of the people they're calling on. You know, just um, uh, you know, what you know, what has has a prospect or anyone at a company you're calling on ever been to your blog or even ever been to your website? Do they follow you on social media? Do they have a social media account? Do they have a blog of their own? What are they commenting about? What are they tweeting about? All this information is very, very interesting and can be inferences to a salesperson as to the specific context that this person has right now. The The other aspect is building up your own personal brand and trust as a salesperson. So I often come across salespeople and they'll say, you know, Mark, I cold call 50 hours a month. I'm like, okay, it's, it is what it is and, you know, it's a reality within sales. But here's my challenge to you. 
in the next two months cold call for 40 hours a month and spend the extra 10 hours a month that you, you saved and go online into social media, into blogs and other places where your prospects are hanging out and reading and conversing and participate in that conversation. Right? Go out and find the blog articles that your prospects read. Read those blogs and comment on those blogs. Add smart comments. Not about your product, but about the subject area. Right? About questions and things that are coming up really early in the buying journey. Go into the LinkedIn groups that your prospects read and answer their questions. Right? Go, go find the folks on Twitter that your prospects follow and follow those same people and retweet their stuff. And then after two months of doing that, ask yourself, were those 10 hours a month better spent cold calling or the time that you spent online networking, what kind of came from that? And I think most people will find that that was a really remarkable uh, process. They learned a lot. They met a lot of interesting people who actually came to them that are good fit companies for themselves and they'll actually double down on those efforts. Hmm. So I think, I think those are some examples within social media it's a bit of a misunderstood meme, but it does, if used effectively, it can really uh, you know, improve the productivity and effectiveness and, and modernization of a traditional sales process. So it's not just about the, the cold calling and it's not just about setting up a Twitter account, but it's about becoming a subject matter expert as well. Really, yes, it presents an opportunity for salespeople to really build up their trust and personal brand and kind of demonstrate that they, they're an expert and, and, and what you end up with is people, prospects reaching out to you. It happens to me multiple times a week. Mm. You know, even yourself, how did you come across my name to even do this podcast? Mm. You know, and, and who's listening to this that might eventually be a good fit? I mean, it's because I'm active in, in social media and blogs and, and I, I talk a lot about the best practices of sales and, and you wanted to hear more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. Building trust is, is fundamental, isn't it? It is. It is. And, you know, it's like that the trust of, I mean, it's funny. Um, uh, one, of the, one of the areas I speak a lot at is I go into to schools and universities and a lot of times for MBA students. And it's amazing how their perception of what sales excellence is, is so different than <laughs> what the truth is. You know, I think a lot of people who don't, haven't been in sales before, they think that great sales is giving a very convincing presentation. Mm. Now, someone who you just stand up and, and everyone, they give a great presentation and everyone wants to buy from them. And I don't think that's true at all. I think the people that I've worked with that have really excelled at sales, they're exceptional at building trust with the person on the other side of the, uh, of the, of the table or the other side of the phone really quickly with a complete stranger and then leveraging that trust to ask questions to understand what that person's biggest problem or biggest opportunity is in their head. Yeah. And once they can uncover that, if they, if they have a solution to that person's biggest problem, if that's what they do well, they should spend a lot of time with that person because they're going <laughs> to win that business a lot. And if they don't have the solution to that person's biggest problem, the, the salesperson really has two choices. They can either introduce them just to one of their friends that solves that problem well and ask for a referral, or they can convince them that they're worried about the wrong problem and they should be worried about what they solve. But at least you understand sort of what, 
context you're playing in. And trust development is really the, the first cornerstone to navigating a, you know, an excellent sales process like that. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that's so true. How, how do you instantly build trust with people? People probably obviously yeah, sure. know you. But how do you do it? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a great, great question. There's a lot, a lot of different techniques that you can do around that. Mm. Um, one, you know, you can, you can try to, um, in as humble way as possible, build up your credibility with the person with your credentials, right? So, you know, depending on who I'm meeting and, and the trust that I'm trying to achieve, I'll often say that I'm a graduate of MIT relatively early. Um, I'll often say that I built a sales team from scratch that does $100 million in revenue. You know, I'll, I'll kind of, um, as humbly as possible, like share my credentials early on in a discussion so that people have that respect and are intrigued by that experience that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, another, the way I really like to do it is by asking inquisitive questions that have never been asked of them before mm-hmm. that demonstrate that you truly are genuinely interested. You understand what's being discussed at a very deep level and you're asking such phenomenal questions that it gets the person to think about their problem or business in a way they've never thought about before. Yeah, that's, that, that's brilliant. A, that's a, yeah, that's just a phenomenal way. You know, when you hear someone say, you know, Mark, no one's ever asked me that question before. Mm-hmm. And that's a great question. Let me think about that. Yeah. You know, that's just, you know, just such a great way that you demonstrate that, like, you're right there with this person. Like, you kind of turn the corner from the prospect being like, when can I get off the phone with this person? I, I hate salespeople. Mm-hmm. So like, wow, this guy's right here with me. Mm-hmm. And he really gets my business and, and what I've been worrying about. And I probably should spend some more time with him because I might be able to learn something here. Absolutely. You know, so, so that, that's a great way. And then I think another way that's, that's really effective and common these days is sharing some best practice content and education that they've never heard before. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's one of the cornerstones of this whole movement around inbound marketing is, you know, don't, don't invest as much money as you have in the past in cold calling and advertising. Instead, invest time just writing blogs and ebooks and just educating the market on the, the questions that they're having in the early phases of their buying journey. And, and that same philosophy can be replicated in sales where when you first engage with a prospect, it doesn't have to be your elevator pitch and then asking for to give a demo of your product. It can be a reference to a, you know, a five best practice ebook that we've written around trends in the industry and what the context of that could be. So mm. I think there's a lot of opportunity to, to share just pure educational content that you're giving away for free in the early stage of the sales process to build trust. And as that trust is developed, then you can navigate more toward you know, um, needs identification and product demonstrations. Absolutely. And this is also very useful for startups because they still have to build, they, they don't have the market share of these big competitors. So a way for them to quickly build up this credibility, as you said, is to create these reports, become subject matters experts. Yes, it's even more important for them because, you know, inbound marketing in a way and this whole content marketing trend it, it gave a lot more advantage to the small business and the startup than it did the big company. I think it's, it's more of an opportunity for small businesses and startups 
and more of a, you know, a threat for the big company because it really levels the playing field. Mm. You know, the, the big company always had the unique advantage that they could afford the, the billboard on Times Square, mm. you know, or that front page ad in the Wall Street Journal. And that, will, that allowed them to, to sustain sort of uh, brand awareness amongst the prospects that the startups and the small businesses could never get. But this day and age, like, people just don't pay attention to that stuff as much as they, you know, conduct a Google search or, you know, start up a thread in Twitter or LinkedIn mm. about a problem they're having. And, you know, startups and small, like, co big companies are slow to react and, and it's difficult for them to, to really capitalize on, on all those different awareness opportunities. And startups have a big opportunity to kind of level the playing field and, and, and take advantage of that. So, and especially for a startup where, you know, any good startup is founded on sort of a unique value prop. You know, that's usually their mission is they feel like some unique opportunity has come up, the market shifted or some new trend has occurred and they're trying to position themselves around that. And it's that unique differentiation that can be really exploited from a content standpoint. And, you know, the first thing that could happen is not necessarily you know, viral adoption of the product, but instead viral adoption of content mm. around that differentiation. And that can lead to, to great success for a startup. Mm, absolutely. So what are the common mistakes and pitfalls new businesses make when they're embarking into this social selling? They start too late. You know, people ask us that, that question a lot is, when, when did you start blogging and doing some of this stuff? And, I, and I'll, I'll admit, I made this mistake myself on, a, on a, the startup I did before HubSpot. Um, you know, and I think a lot of companies think, well, I just need to finish my product first and then I need to, you know, get through the beta stage and find product market fit and then I can start blogging. And I think that's the biggest mistake that they make. You know, when people ask, when did you guys start blogging? We started blogging like nine months before we even finished our product. And I will tell you that that was probably one of the top three tactics we did that led to success early on. Mm. Um, because we started blogging nine months, like, we just knew that at the time when we started blogging before our product was done, you know, we really didn't even know what we were going to build. You know, uh, you know, our co-founders had essentially just done a thesis at MIT on how the internet had changed buying behavior. And we didn't even know what we were going to call it yet. We didn't even know what product would help businesses transform. We didn't even really have a great sense of who we were going to target at that time. All we knew is like this was happening and we just started writing about it. And, and, and it's got very interesting. It was really interesting to watch like which subjects within that space really resonated with the market. That gave us a lot of good indication of where the pain points were and helped us to build a better product because of that. We, it was really interesting to observe what type of companies and what type of roles and what type of people this, the, the subject was really resonating with. And that helped us to better define our addressable market and sort of the, the early adopters of our product. And then, you know, when we actually launched our product nine months later, we had already amassed a few thousand people on the blog. We already ranked number two in Google for the word inter internet marketing software. Awesome. You know, four guys in a garage at MIT, and we were number two on Google for internet marketing software without even a product. <laughs> so, you know, 
we built a better product because of our journey in blogging along the way. And our launch strategy when the product was finally finished was <laughs> throwing a free trial called Action on the Blog, and we had hundreds of people in it overnight. You know, so I think that's the biggest mistake people make is they think they need to be a lot further along before they start blogging and doing social selling and content marketing when in fact doing it when you just have a thesis around the mission of your company uh, just starting then brings great advantages to your business. Hmm, yeah, I was advising one startup about doing some sort of research and creating something, you know, something like that to put yourself as an expert and but their response was, well, who are we, you know? We, who are we to do that? Why didn't anyone believe us? And, but you do that so people do believe you and do see your expertise. Exactly. Yeah, and, and it's, a lot, it's a lot cheaper than, you know, are, are you on the right track? Is, is your thesis of what you're, you're doing and what you think is the market opportunity, is it correct? It's a lot easier to test that by instigating a conversation online than it is to hire six engineers and build a product for nine months and then cross your fingers that you got it right. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So assuming uh, the, the startups, they've got their social media accounts set up and what's one thing they can do right away to start getting results? You know, it's a lot of people um, think that it's about just starting to write blog content and, uh, and then just putting it out on your social media accounts. But early on, and this is something that you have to continue forever, it's, that's important, but that's a little bit of an egotistical view on it. Um, you know, this has to be mostly about the conversation and participation as opposed to simply just promoting your own stuff. So that, that's kind of the problem that a lot of people do is they set up their Twitter account, their Facebook account, their LinkedIn account, they write a couple blog articles, and then they tweet out those blog articles. When in fact, uh, one of the things that you can do to instigate early results is just get out and participate in the conversation that's already happening out there. That's kind of like free walking advertisements for yourself. So that's something that I always try to do is, I try to keep a ratio, and I listen, I admit, I don't always sustain this, but I try to have a ratio of two thirds of the, of the tweets and the LinkedIn messages that I have are helping other people out. They're promoting other people's good content. They're answering other people's questions. They're commenting on other people's subjects that aren't necessarily close to my mission but are helpful to the overall conversation. And one third is promoting my stuff. Hmm. So that, that's, the, that's the thing that can make the biggest difference right out of the gate is, you know, if you can just, you know, step that up a bit and just be really active and where the conversation's already happening, um, that will send some, you know, some, some movement to you. But the, I'll counterpoint that with the fact that this isn't a quick Band-Aid fix, hmm. you know, and this does take patience. We, we often um, draw an analogy to going to the gym with, with successful content marketing and inbound marketing. You know, like when you, when you say, okay, this is the year, and you make your New Year's resolution that this is the year you're going to lose those 10 pounds, you don't go to the gym for a week or two and work out four times a week and lose the 10 pounds. Hmm. It just doesn't happen, right? It's like you got to go and, you know, a month later, two months later, you know, you, you still haven't lost the 10 pounds, but you're starting to lose some weight and you're feeling good 
and you're you at that point you know two months in you can't imagine a week where you didn't go to the gym it's just kind of built into your schedule and you enjoy it and it feels good and you're starting to see results and you know you do that for three months and then a year and then two years and it's like now all of a sudden you're running marathons and you're just like it's a new way of life mm-hmm. it's like how could you ever go back yeah. and that's really what this journey with inbound marketing and content marketing is is you know you you know you're not going to write three blog articles and participate in social media for a week or two and and, and change your business mm-hmm. you're just not but if you do it for two months you're going to see some really interesting results and they'll be interesting enough that you're like, how can I do more of this? Mm. And, you know, you keep up with it. And, you know, six months, a year later, you're like, you are a different business. And you look back on it and you're like, wow, I have, I have exponentially changed my business because of this. Yeah. So that, that's really the analogy and, and that's the patience and commitment that it takes. Brilliant. That's wonderful, wonderful. So I have a final question. It's more about you personally as a, as a leader in sales. What's the number one habit people should develop to succeed in selling, Mark? <laughs> There's loads, uh, but what's your number one? Genuine curiosity in the person on the other side of the table or the other side of the phone. And I think when, you know, I'll, ta- I'll, re- I'll kind of make your question even more specific when I get questions from students that are thinking about a career in sales and they ask themselves, what's one thing that I can do to prepare myself for success in selling? There's kind of an interesting activity that I challenge them with and I'll say, the next time you're at a, a networking event or a wedding or a party or something like that, walk up to a few strangers and engage with them and see how long you can go asking questions about them and just finding information about them without really telling anything about you. You know, and if they're like, if they ask a little something about you, answer the question quickly and quickly turn it back to them and ask questions about them. And that's a demonstration of genuine curiosity in, in that person. And I've seen salespeople who do that very People who do that very well have an extraordinarily natural foundation for excellence in sales. The people that do that well, they'll, you know, they'll walk up to a complete stranger at a wedding and ask 20 questions for half an hour to that person. But the questions are so brilliant and they, they, they're just, they, can, they demonstrate that they're listening, they're right there with them and they're diving in and building off of each other and getting this person to think about things and and just showing how smart the per you're showing off how smart you are just by the questions that you're asking and that person is feeling really good and you're learning too you're you you're excited about it because you're learning and the person walks away and hasn't found out anything about you except your name and they're like you know that guy mark he's a he's a great guy yeah you know? <laughs> just from the questions that you ask yeah that if you can do that in my opinion that lays an exceptional, just natural foundation for, for excellence in sales. Mm-hmm. And people can develop that. I mean, we, our education system has brought us up to answer questions as being good, but I think you can, people can still develop the ability. It takes practice though, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Well, that's it. You've got a wonderful book coming up, Mark. Quickly tell us about that. Sure. It's called The Sales Acceleration Formula. If you do a search for that in my name, it is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Um, it's written, it's, cu- it's coming out in February, 
Um, it's all about my experience in building the HubSpot sales team. Um, so a lot of the things we talked about today and some stuff we didn't talk about, you know, I'm, a, <clears throat> I'm an engineer by training, an MIT grad, I'm a quant, and I took a very scientific and data-oriented approach to building the HubSpot sales team and scaling us to 100 million in revenue run rate in a very predictable, analytical way. Um, so it's all about my journeys and how I hire salespeople and train them and manage them in a, in a very analytical and predictable way if you want to check that out. Brilliant, I can't wait to read it. Thanks so much, thank you. You have a great day. You too, okay. thank you. Hey, it's Anise again. Wasn't that a great interview? So many nuggets of advice. So remember, social selling, it's about conversing, not selling. It's about participating and showing expertise in subject matter. But also remember, it's not a quick fix. For Mark's advice, what you can do right away, it's not about writing your blog post, it's about going out there, finding the conversations going on that your customers are having, and start participating. It's like when you go to a networking event, right? You don't show up and say, hey, look at my stuff, buy my stuff, me, 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 and talk about me the whole time, right? You go out there and you find out about people. You start asking them questions and talking to them. And also that, that ratio that uh, Mark mentioned as well, two-thirds of the conversation or tweeting and output should be helping others, promoting others, tweeting others, whereas only one-third should be promoting yours. Give that a go. And uh, any questions, give me a shout. And I look forward to hearing how your social selling is going on. That's all from me this week. Uh, stay tuned. And don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already so you get everything first in your inbox. And if you like what you heard and found it useful, please share it with your tribe. Rising tide raises all boats, I like to say. Thank you. Have a powerful week. And until next time, this is Anise from Mindful Sales Training.